Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome in to episode 72 of The Grid, the show that can't believe Bill Belichick may not coach in 2024. He didn't get the Atlanta Falcons job. That's some news of the day for you, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We got area basketball. We got realignment talk things to watch, Mike. We're a week away from, from realignment and everything becoming official. I know we're really excited about that. UHV baseball opening their season this week, the defending Red River Conference, Red River Athletic Conference tournament champions, getting back on the diamond this weekend, and we're gonna talk some all area volleyball. Just walk walk y'all through some, uh, you know, what stood out as we were uh, we were selecting this team. But Mike, we're gonna start on the basketball court with the Victoria East Lady Titans. You were there on on Tuesday night when they played Victoria West, absolutely dominated Victoria West, and. Along the way, clinched the 29-5A North Zone title. Right. And uh, it's funny, as you were saying, Bill Belichick, I was, uh, I'm was. i really gr- grateful that I spoke to Yolanda Wimbish North instead of Bill Belichick. <laughs> yes. Well, we, she's, she's yes, a better we, interview. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, we won the game. Yes, we clinched the title. We played well. I, fortunately, I didn't have to deal with that. But um, – yeah, I, I I have to say that that's the best I've seen this East team look this year. That first quarter, uh, they completely dominated West. Um, you know, didn't allow a field goal until two seconds remained in the quarter. Uh, offensively was getting to the basket, defensively playing really well. If they can keep that up, they have a chance to make a little run there in the playoffs. Uh you know, and one thing that uh, Coach North was really pleased with was her substitutes. Uh, they came in and uh, seemed, you know, they, the lead didn't really disappear when they came in. And uh, so uh, that's a good sign at this point. It does feel like the East girls just have a lot of boxes checked. Guard play, check. Size on the wing, check. Inside game, check. Good coach, check. Depth, check. It just feels like they check a lot of boxes. Yeah, they they are. Uh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a tough out. Um, you know, of course, you never know who they're going to face. A lot of that depends on their matchups. If they, I could see them, if they play a team that has some height, you know, that might give them a little Perimeter bit. Perimeter size could give them issue yeah. because Avery Valentine and Sonia Randall, both really good. Both are relatively small. You get a team as taller, lankier guards, that could be an issue. Yeah, it could, except I think their quickness will make yeah. up for a lot of that. Those two are extremely quick. Uh, they uh, they neutralize a lot of quick guards, you know, just with their uh, natural ability and, their, and the way they play defense. So uh, – We'll have to see. Um, I think East is kind of waiting to see what happens between uh, Flower Bluff and Vets uh, to see who wins that second matchup. Right now, I believe Bluff won the first one. So, because uh, they're going to play the winner yeah, of that Yeah, they'll play zone. for the district championship. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and whether or not, I haven't really been able to, to see yet how things are going in District 30. But... Um, you know, whether or not how that seeding thing comes out. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this play out. 
I do think this East team is really good. I watched them earlier in the, early in the year, and I thought, man, you know, this this team, this group looks so cohesive. They look so together. It looks like it just fits really well. And that's I remember watching them early in the season and thinking, okay, how much better can they get from here? And they've yeah. just continually got yeah. better and better. And they got you know, KK Cleveland missed some time mm-hmm. early in the season with an injury. She's back now and gives them more of an inside presence. And I actually think her missing a little bit of time made this East team better because it they became a little bit more dependent on their guards and the other players, so it allowed them to develop. And then they get Cleveland back, and she's as good as she's been, and the, and the perimeter players are as good as they've been. So it just this East team is, is really, really strong. I'm excited to see these next couple of weeks, see what the postseason holds for them. Yeah, and uh, the, the West girls now, they're in a, a must-win situation against Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to win to kind of force a play-in game even. Um, you know, they're young, uh, and you can tell. Um, they've got some ability out yeah. there, and I think in a year they're going to be pretty good. I just think uh, their their inexperience is, is is hurting them. Yeah, and you get towards the end of the season, it gets to be a little bit of a grind. You're, I think you're seeing some of that, and yeah, they they return most of their contributions. They'll be returning most of them in 2025. So that'll you know this is a young West team, but hey, if the they're, they're, who is it against Ray? That's what it. Or that's who they're playing in a must-win. No, Miller. Miller. They're playing Miller in a must-win game, and hey, you win that, you get to go to the zone playoff. Maybe you can. Hey, they already beat Corpus Christi Vets earlier this yeah. year, so you know some confidence there. Can you? Can you win a zone playoff game? Can you get into the? Can you get into the playoffs and just hey see how things fall after that? But it'll be. I'm interested to see how it uh, again must-win for West, and you talk about for some of these young players. Uh, specifically Zay Morgan, who is there. I mean, you talk about that she's the young star on that team and getting her in a playoff-type atmosphere, good for good for her, good for the development of that team. It should to see what happens with West going forward. On the, other, on the other side of town over at Victoria West, the boys went at it, and for the second time this season it was Victoria East beating Victoria West. And for Victoria West, that was a must-win. That – that loss really just puts them out of you know out of the race for the uh, out of the race for the postseason, which you know a month ago I couldn't really imagine myself saying, yeah. but here you know here we are and things change. Uh, for Victoria East, Mike, we were talking a while back. I, I can't remember if this was on the on the pod or off of it, but we were talking about Victoria East, and it's like man, they need a shooter, they need a scorer, just mm-hmm. someone who can yeah. hit some threes and go get a bucket. Well, they, they got a guy back a couple of weeks ago named Fernando Pena, and he is that guy for them. He had a game-high 26 for East against West. He also was their leading scorer against GP the previous week uh, against Gregory Portland in, in an overtime loss there. But he is someone who can really shoot the ball, gives them that ability to stretch the floor, and really is their best player and best scorer. He gives them a different dynamic, and it kind of makes everybody's job a little bit easier. Braden Cates can be a little bit more of a true point guard. Najerell Prater can do what he does best, which is just a little bit of everything and not have not be so relied upon the score. The big guys just go and do the dirty work, and this is a team that now it's you know they got to win one of they got to win one of their next three and really really they got to beat one of Miller and Corpus Christi Ray to get into the zone playoff. Now that they beat both, they they go in second and get and it becomes a much easier zone playoff game, but they're in a position now where if they want their season to continue, they got to win at least one of the next two, but East basketball, you know, 
looks like turning around after last year. You know, they beat West twice but didn't do anything else. This year they're, uh, you know, making a legitimate run at the postseason. Yeah, they're, um, everyone I know that's seen them says uh, they, they like the way they're playing. They're playing better. They're starting to grasp, I think, what uh, Coach Almanza wants them to do. And that's always important for them. And, uh, yeah, they've been there right there, you know, with Miller and uh, GP. Yeah, they, I mean, they took GP to overtime just yeah, a week ago. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you know, they, they still got their shot. Yeah, yeah they got, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Now, they're playing Miller this Friday. I'll be there for that one. Miller will be – Damari Lister is there for Miller. He wasn't there in the mm-hmm. first matchup, and Damari Lister is – arguably him or Sean Williams, the big guy from GP, is the best player in the North Zone. So how does East deal with that? But I'll tell you this. East defends really, really well. As we talk about, you know, do they need a little bit of offensive punch. They do defend really well, and they have a lot of, you know, taller, longer athletes who are just any guard. It's just going to give them some trouble because they got some height, length, and athleticism. And even against all – when they played GP last week, big six foot seven Sean Williams, who's been tearing up the district, he had his lowest output game against East. It was Nigel Prater who was guarding him. <laughs> just, you know, six foot Nigel – now, Nigel's you know, strong as an ox, and he's really quick, and he's got a lot, you know, a lot of attributes on him, but th- – they just have the personnel to give people problems. So I'm interested to see how they deal with Damari Lister. And again, for East, win and basically you're into the postseason. So big one for them and a chance to improve their seed, potentially get the second seed. So that again, that's going to be a good one out at Victoria East. Watch them play Miller this weekend. For West, it's, uh, I mean, barring a miracle, it does feel like their season is over, which feels which feels crazy over there. Last week, I was out at Hallettsville for Hallettsville and Edna, a big matchup in District 25-3A over there, a matchup for the top of the district. And Edna beat Hallettsville by 27 back in Edna earlier this season. Well, Hallettsville returned to favor on their home floor, winning by 23 against Edna. And, Mike, you already knew this, but Macy Herring is really, really good. And that's a, she got her 1,000th point in that one against Edna. And it's, she was in foul trouble the first half of that game. And, Hallettsville was a little on and off. Third quarter, she came in, made her impact. Hallettsville, completely different team. They, you know, rest of the team works together pretty well. And the uh, and the Lady Brahmas do, you know, seems like a lot of Hallettsville girls teams just win. And Hallettsville girls basketball, no different. They they win. They're tied atop the district with Edna right now, and that's a that's a fun district over there with Edna and Yoakum and uh, Hallettsville and Columbus. Yeah, it's crazy. We saw that Yoakum defeated Columbus. So. Yeah. Uh, and really, I think Yoakum, you know, there's there's some potential there. They uh, the night I saw them play Hallettsville, they just couldn't hit a bucket, mm-hmm. and uh, so that and of course Macy Herring was a little bit too much for them. But if uh, if they're if they get their shooting down, I think they they can cause problems for people because they are athletic. Yeah, well, Edna's coach he made he made a point to me after the game when we when we were talking. He said, "Look, this we look at this as a law averages type of thing." When they beat Hallettsville over, you know, over in Edna, you know, like a month ago, Hallettsville shot, I think the number was like 15%. Oh. Like, they, like you talk about yeah. couldn't buy a bucket. Oh. And Hallettsville shot the ball really well against Edna. And he's just like, look, we knew yeah. they weren't going to shoot like that <laughs> against us again. And then he said after the loss, he's like, look, they probably won't shoot like that against yeah. us again either. So they kind of got both, you know, you kind of got both ends of the uh, – you 
you kind of got both ends of the of the spectrum there. But that was a you know that's going to be a fun one to watch. Do Hallsville and Edna play a third time for yeah. uh, you know for a district championship tiebreaker? Hey, that's what I'm rooting for. Give us more good games to cover up. Huh? Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Of course, I don't know what they their rules are in that district. I mean, if they decide to just flip a coin instead of playing, yeah. usually in basketball you play. Because uh, coach is always looking for, for a, a district game. for a yeah. district championship. Yeah, I've seen it for like if it's second place, yeah. they'll just flip. But for a district championship, yeah. I can certainly see them doing that. Yeah, I do want to shout out uh, Shanti Geta from Edna because yeah. we we're gonna talk about all area volleyball here at the end of the show. But all area basketball, she will be on the list because yeah. she was she is a. I mean, she's a horse. I think she had twenty six in the in the game against Howitzville. I mean, she was she was basically single handedly keeping keeping Edna alive in that one. So that I mean, that's if they play for a third time, I'll be very interested because it's very rare you get it where they've played twice and they've both been blowouts on either side, especially in basketball. I think it's so rare you get that. So I'm excited. You know, if we get that game a third time around, I would, yeah. Uh, if if they did, I don't know if they would play it home and home or if they came on neutral it's possible they could play here yeah and that would, no, be... no no problem with that on our end yeah, come, so. come, come down to victoria <laughs> so mike, yeah. we'll see yeah we'll see about that one mike you'll be in el campo on friday and they're playing navasota they're part they're in a three-way tie for the for the district title right now they got three teams at five and two el campo is one of them and this is going to be our first time going out to see El Campo this year. They got last year's Player of the Year, Oliver Miles, and this is a team that their their record isn't. I think they're only eight and sixteen, so the overall record isn't impressive. But they played a tough they played a tough non district schedule, and now they're in district. They're battling for a district championship. What is there anything you're looking looking for, looking forward to going out to El Campo tomorrow? Well, I I just you know not having seen them yet this year after watching them last year, especially in the playoffs. I mean, they were they were a really good team, very good defensive team, a lot of quickness, you know, with as you said Oliver Miles and then you had Ladarian Lewis who was our defensive player of the year. So those two guys, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly this year what they have around them. That may be the difference. But, uh, you know, those two guys are really good players. Uh, you know, and it's funny because El Campo historically has not, you know, been a basketball power. In fact, I remember last year when they were trying to win district, uh, we were kind of after the game, we were all kind of standing out in front of the gym looking at the pictures to try to figure out well, when was the last time they actually won district. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how they are. I, I thought uh, they they talked about this at the beginning of the year, uh, that they haven't quite seemed to get going yet. I guess it's taken them a while. But, uh, you know, if they're in the thick of it, so I saw them early in the season. They they actually were playing Victoria East, and football teams were still. This was yeah. during the second round of the playoffs, so both teams were were preparing to play a playoff game, and it might as well have just been two JV teams going at it because both teams were missing yeah. so many of their of their best players. So you do see El Campbell wants to play with pace. They want to put pressure on you defensively and get in your face, but there isn't that. Um, you know, without the talent there, without the top end talent there, it's hard to it's hard to see it come to fruition. So I'm curious to see, you know, what 
what they look like because again, it, you know, they're content, they're competing for a district championship, and heck, we're trying to get teams as far as we can in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, Campo be one of them that makes a little makes a little run here. Well, we're gonna hear a message from White Trash Services, and then we're gonna go and talk about realignment, some things to watch. We are just seven days away. From realignment, and Mike and I are excited about that here at the grid. We'll be back with some things to watch for right after this message from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off uh, companies. And you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back. Episode 72 of The Grid realignment it's here we're less than a week away and it is you know everywhere i go i just i just go talk to the foot during these basketball games mike i just go talk to the football coaches and we just throw around realignment scenarios and i'm like hey what non-district games you got and oh there's gonna be some good ones coming this fall i'm excited for some of these non-district games i'm not gonna disclose them just yet schedules nothing's official right now nothing's nothing's signed in pen but there's some verbal agreements to to be excited about as we push towards football season Talking about realignment in this area, we got to start. East and West are going to be separating. West, it seems pretty cut and dry. 5AD2, they'll be in with the CCISD schools. Gregory Portland, Alice, that's a, you know that that's an eight-team district right there. Feels That feels pretty cut and dry. Feels really simple for Victoria West. East, it looks like there's two options. You send them up towards San Antonio and the Comal district. The Comal district with Smithson Valley, and I think you get Seguin in there as well. And that that's a t- that'll be a tough district. Or you send them up to Fort Bend, and that'll be a really tough district. And it doesn't seem like any scenario is very favorable for Charlie Reeve and company. No, it's it's pretty evident. Uh, I mean, obviously, you we've all seen the. The different scenarios. Our good friend Carl Padilla puts that out. Or there other other uh, sites put it out, um, but nobody really knows. This is I, I've always contended is the best kept secret in the world is realignment. It's all projections, is what yeah. you see out there. And uh, you know we won't know until 9 a.m. Thursday when they open up that packet. Uh, but but just logically speaking, I mean, like we said, uh, if the scenario does not look good for Victoria East because with the only uh, 5AD1 teams being uh, Flower Bluff and Veterans Memorial, 
it, it sure looks like they're going to take those two teams down towards the valley. Right. And that kind of leaves Victoria East here by itself. And what are you going to do? Well, you take it over, like um, Gabe said, up to Comel, which could include, you know, Smithson Valley, New Braunfels, or I, I think Canyon would be maybe. Yeah, Canyon. Canyon and, and possibly even uh, Wagner and yeah. over there. And, uh, or you can take them uh, up to Fort Bend. And, uh, I mean, gosh, we remember, uh, I think it was about four years ago or so when uh, East and West yeah. uh, got taken up there. And uh, needless to say, the results weren't very good. And you're in region – well, they were in region four then, but they could now be in region three. It would potentially three. be region three. Yeah, so that makes it – I mean, region three is tough. And uh, Just just ask Squirrel. Yeah, and uh, here's what I would say. there. I think, although unlikely, I think possibly the one scenario that might work out for them if that were the case is if they were to, say, take some of the Laredo schools mm-hmm. – Maybe mix them with East and maybe keep uh, Flower Bluff and Vets, you know, with them. But that doesn't seem very likely. Yeah, because then you're then you're really again. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. It's I think the better scenario the better scenario for East would be to go toward towards Comal with mm. with you know now Spitzen Valley is a powerhouse, but at least you get. You know there are there would be teams in that district that East could beat. I th- it'd be very hard for them to make the playoffs still, but there are some wins, some potential wins in that district for East. You go up to Fort Bend, it's hard. It's hard to find wins in that district. Yeah, and uh, I think um, also another interesting thing is like uh, is to see how big of a district East is in. If it will be a team, will be nine team. I mean, a lot of that. And, of course, what hinges on that is when do East and West play. Because yeah. it's like uh, I talked to Spencer Gant, and he said, I've told him, you know, either week one, two, or three, all are playing. Um, it just depends on uh, – I'm, I'm uh, Week two. Yeah, that's what I would say is week, week, week two. two. Um, you know, unless, of course, you were in a 10-team district, then yeah. you'd have to play week, week one. Yeah. But um, – yeah, I think are there are there that many ten team districts? Not in very many. I, I don't. I, I I see that as unlikely. Yeah, but I I would think week two is probably likely. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's just one of the things. Um, I think where East goes is kind of the number one thing that people that we are looking at. Anyways, I mean, there are some other things. Um, obviously, Shiner going to Division Shiner Two. Shiner going down to two A D two. It'd be interesting. Uh, I'm wondering if they'll put them in with Fall City and make a district. Maybe you could have a Shiner, Fall City, Yorktown, possibly Louise, maybe even bring Woodsboro up into that. Um, you know, we'll see about that. Uh, but uh, Yeah, because Woodsboro was only in a four-team district, I think, last uh, year. Uh, yeah, I believe or so. Five it was, maybe I five, think it was four. It was, I, I think, think it was four. One of the teams that was in there, Benavides, dropped out yeah. and played six-man. So that left them with four teams. So, uh, yeah, now Shiner's been in uh, with these teams before, and uh, it's fared really well. 
Uh, but you know, um, back well, I in, think Shiner they they took their lumps this year with a really young team, and I think they're ready to start swinging the hammer again. Yeah, I mean, I uh, they they in the past had some great battles with Fall City. Yeah. And, and Fall uh, City, a team, they return a lot yes. of what uh, from this season. Yeah. So if they're in the same district, that's a game for yeah. us that we immediately start. Yeah, that would be a good game. So uh, that's one of the things we're watching. Another thing is, um, of course, we said industrial is going to D2. Industrial's going on to 3A D2, and that seems the, pretty yeah. obvious. They'll go in with Tidehaven. Yeah, because Danbury dropped. Yeah. So that leaves one space, and industrial and – Ty David Industrial and uh, Ganado back in the day used to have some great battles. And uh, obviously Ganado won't be there. But Industrial and Ty David, I think, are fixing to be in the uh, same district again. That's an old school rivalry over there. They it can, is. They didn't get to play this year because no. of the rain delay. So. No, uh, that's true. So uh, that looks like they're headed back. And uh, here's the other thing to watch. Um, Edna Palacios. Yoakum, Hallettsville. There's a chance, I think, that all four of them could be in the same district in Region 3, which, of course, uh, Edna would prefer not to happen. Right. But um, in that scenario, then you'd have Goliad going south, yeah. uh, probably back to some of the schools that used to play, although they still played uh, Aransas Pass, yeah. Mathis, those schools, but you could see Goliad go south in that case. Of course, there's always a chance that they take, uh, bring Houtsville and, uh, you know, Houtsville and Yoakum and maybe even Columbus back down to Region Well, that's a, uh, I got a chance to talk to Levi a little bit last week yeah. at the Houtsville game, and I think he'd very much like to go down the Region for Oh, yeah. Because, you know, he, what, a point he had mentioned to me was, hey, you know, we've played Franklin the last couple of years, yeah. and Edna's played Franklin the last couple of years. They get to do it in the yeah. They get to do it in the semifinals, and we have to do it in round one. Yeah, I know. And uh, thing is, too, He's like, I think we're I think we're better than a first round team. And it, it might you might want to remember Hitchcock. You know, Jones returns yeah. for his senior season, yeah. so you. That would be a nice team to avoid in district as well. So uh, we'll and see that. They're going to be salty after losing in the oh, first yeah. round. And then, uh, of course, you've got Quero, which yeah, we'll see. Quero go back down to Region 4. And that, I know. That, that one feels yeah, fairly likely. I think they uh, there's a good chance that'll happen. I know Quero would like it to happen. I mean, because, I mean, this you just look at these last two years. I mean, uh, Wimberley uh, – you know, they go – there's really – they've. there's nobody that's been able to touch them in Region 4, and they just breeze through to the semis where the team that comes out of Region 3 is getting beat up, you know. Starting in round one, yeah. there's no easy play. I know. So by the three. time you get to the semis, uh, you're usually pretty beat up and, you know, you're worn out and uh, – Wimberley's good. I'm not saying Wimberley's not, but I'm just saying Wimberley has an easier path. They have an easier path. And it's not just the uh, the path of like uh, – it's not just necessarily where you're less beat up getting there. It's if you're Wimberley, you can hide the playbook yeah. for for a lot of these games. You don't – you can run very basic vanilla stuff and still win because they're good. They can get away with that. 
that's the advantage they have. And you get to the Region 3 team, you start throwing a bunch of things at them that you haven't put on film all year. And they're just having to adjust on the fly. So that's part of the advantage it gives you having a little easier path down there. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, another interesting thing to keep an eye on for our teams is uh, let's see what happens with Blanco. They're dropping uh, Division Two, And uh, it, it could be interesting if they come down to uh, Region 4, which is possible, although they could go up to 2 or 3, uh, then Tidehaven and Poth are going to have some company there. So uh, that's another thing to watch. But it's a, it's a very interesting scenario that repeats itself every two years. Uh, you see, uh, for us especially, you see us weary-eyed sports riders getting up early and uh, making our way to Region 3. And uh, there'll be a bunch of coaches there waiting for those packets. Once they get those packets, man, they're on their phones, you know, trying to get those games. And especially your teams like your Furios, your Shiners, and Tide Avens that have done well yeah. because they have more trouble finding games. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I will be there. I will begrudgingly be up in the morning <laughs> to be there. I will be there with coffee and with coffee in hand for that one. But I, all the different scenarios, I didn't even think about the Poth one with them coming down mm-hmm. to to 3AD2 because they're a team that's been towards the top of 3AD1 yeah. for a while now. So you got – they're a team kind of like how we talk about with Shiner. They got to think, hey, we're going to come down here. And... No, well, both would be 3AD2. Yeah, no, but, that, but, but Blanco, I, but I, yeah. Or, I mean, Blanco, yeah. yeah. Blanco, similar to how we talk about with Shiner. Of, yeah. You know, they're going down and they think, hey, we can clean up a little bit down here. I think Blanco's going to have a similar – Blanco's going to have a similar mentality going down there. So I'm excited for the different – Excited to see where East ends up. Excited to see these different districts. Now, I'm rooting for the Shiner Fall City district. Now. Yeah, I would like to, you know, and are we going to have Refugio Ganado again? Yeah. That's a, a good possibility, although it's not a certainty because they they have taken Refugio South before. So the question seems to be, well, will they play once or twice? Would they, <laughs> what, do you think, because I know, I know Ganado's going to have trouble finding games. I think Refugio has trouble finding games every year. Uh, would they dare play each other in the preseason? Uh, well, maybe. I would say maybe if they're not in the same district. Yeah. Maybe, although I doubt it. And I mean, because you're probably going to see them in the postseason. Yeah. You got you got to think, like, oh, I don't know if we want to show well, I asked, you know, Daniel Bedeker, I said, hey, man, since you're dropping, are you going to play Refurio, you know, during the regular season? And it didn't sound like it because he thinks they already have their games because, you know, they have certain traditional games like Hallettsville they play every year in the season opener. And then you've also – they've also got some other teams that they're playing. So uh, I'm not – I don't think it's not because he's avoiding it, but – you know, I think their their schedule is pretty. You set. get these handshake agreements pretty early on. I mean, nothing nothing can be official well, until Thursday. A, a lot of that too was Shiner probably thought it would be in Division One. Yeah. So you know, it it probably kind of went along thinking that way, and then when they found out, you know, hey, we're in Division Two, which by the way. I think will be a two-year deal. I, I think next realignment they'll go. Well, back. they were right at the number, yeah, this. half below. Yeah, they were two hundred four and a half. They were right there at two hundred four. So yeah, that used to be the old conspiracy theory with Highland Park. You yeah. know, people would say, whatever Highland Park is, the number will be one, one above. Of, <laughs> you know, that's the way people used to think. But uh, 
Yeah, it, it's always fun. You know, the speculation's fun, and uh, you know, we'll find out come uh, come Thursday. We're gonna know for sure what's what's happening uh, next season. A lot of, there's gonna be a lot of energy in that room, nervous and otherwise, on Thursday morning. So. We'll be there. We'll be given coverage of that. The one other thing we haven't mentioned that I think is interesting is Calhoun. Um, oh, yeah. Where could yeah. – Yeah, they could go back with Bay City and El Yeah, Campo. they're kind of in a no man's yeah, land. Yeah, especially with Alice, you know, yeah. going up. That takes one team out of there. You've got Beeville there. Now, I, I was thinking – Beeville of, feels like an easier team to send south. Yeah. But I was thinking about a scenario. I don't know if they would think about doing it. What if you took Calhoun and Beeville and Bay City, El Campo, and maybe find a couple of other schools you can make a little district? But, you know, and that to me would be the scenario that Bay City and El Campo want because they desperately want to come to Region 4. Right. You know, whether or not that happens, I don't know. But uh, that would be something. But, yeah, I know Richard uh, Whitaker's probably a little bit on pins and needles on that. Yeah, we have so many good realignment scenarios out there and probably a bunch we didn't get to. And then all these affect the non-district games as well, which we like. So that, I mean, a lot's going to happen on Thursday, and we're really excited. We're really excited that we're going to be there. We're going to be there for that. We're going to hear a message from Thrivent Financial here. Then we're going to talk some UHV baseball and talk a little bit about the all-area volleyball team we just released last week. Stay tuned. Episode 72 of The Grid. We'll be right back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. We are back in episode 72 of The Grid. Mike, you will be spending the weekend at the ballpark. UHV is getting their season underway against Wayland Baptist on Saturday. One thing I want to talk about with UHV, Mike, their roster is littered with players from this area. They got five from Victoria on the roster and then four more just from around the area, places like Shiner, places like Quero, other guys around the area. And they got several more just from Corpus as well, which plays, you know, against Victoria schools in this district. Stabanoa, you know, he's out there. He's helping build a roster uh, littered with local talent. They signed Xavier Ortega, arguably, probably the best player at Victoria East this year. He'll be – in UHV next year, they're they're building a roster filled with some local talent over there over here at UHV. Yeah, I think uh, when Stav came in last year, uh, he made that a point. I mean, it's always easier to to get local talent, but he also uh, branched out a little bit, and he's got some guys uh, that came in as transfers too that that are should help the team this year. Um, they've they've set the standard high. Um, that, shoot, year one winning the conference tournament. I know. After that, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, their motto, they told me, uh, they mentioned it to me, is they were picked fourth in uh, the conference. Um, their motto is four to one. They want to be number one. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm curious to see. The the thing that, uh, that interests me is when I spoke with uh, pitching coach Doug Heinold, he said this could be the best staff they've had as far, and there's no question 
as far as depth goes, this is the best. And that, to me, has always been the, the thing that's been uh, the Jaguars' Achilles heel, is pitching depth. You've got to have it. And uh, if they can keep those guys healthy, eligible, then they have a good shot. Yeah, and the two guys kind of at the top of that rotation this year, a couple of Victoria guys, uh, Mason Longoria and Brady mm-hmm. Parker. So that's that's exciting for us just here in the area that, hey, we're getting to see these guys who played high school ball in Victoria. Now that, you know, I know Longoria, he went out to Kingsville, and he, mm-hmm. but he ended up here at UHV. And now you're seeing guys who start at Riverside at the high school level now starring at Riverside collegiately as well. Yeah, that's that's fun. I mean, because obviously, you know, people want to go out and see local players, you know, that excel. But they they've also got, you know, their their other guys like uh, Hal Damon Perez. I mean, he, I I would recommend going out and watching him behind he, the plate. He's one of the best catchers in NAI. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Hal Damon is. Uh, he had a great first year. I expect him to be even better this year. So, and, uh, you know, the other thing I think to watch, Hayden Leopold, who, uh, I don't know, maybe seems like he's been here forever because he probably has been. But uh, These college COVID rules, you can be here a while now. But he has a chance, from what I understand, I was talking with Stav, he has a chance to to break Dylan Bluta's uh, hit record, career hit record. Uh, Dylan, of course, from Weimar came and played here for four years uh but hayden's got a chance to do that this season so uh a lot of things um to look for i i know last year what them and wayland split the the two double headers i mean uh so they they started season two and two uh stav wants to see a better start this year and uh i think uh you know he wants to get them to get off on the right track and as we talked about uh it's really important for them to do well during the season because the better seed you are, the better off you are in the conference tournament because you're pitching. You know, the less games you have to play, the 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 you know the teams that aren't as strong, that really helps your pitching, and a lot of times that's what it comes down to. Yeah, you the fewer if you get that, I think it's like a buy or yeah. double buy you get if you're a top two seed, and you. Fewer games you got to play, the easier it becomes to win a conference tournament and get to the NAIA regionals over there. So I'm excited to see. I, mean, I, t- I talked to Stav in the summer, Coach Stavanoa. He was really excited about the team he had coming in this year. I talked to Sam Fowler pretty regularly, the SID over there. He's really excited about what they have this year. So it, it should be a fun year for the Jaguars out on the diamond. Well, I want to talk about some all-area volleyball. Our team came out this week, and – I want to start with the player of the year here, Addison Ozuna, two-time uh, advocate all-area uh, volleyball MVP. And it is – that what I kind of focused on in my story about her was her just doing a little bit of everything for for St. Joseph. And it really is she, – she's a high-level player regardless of where you put her. Mm-hmm. Mike, not only did she, she – of all the nominees we had, she led everybody in kills with 626. Mm-hmm. She also had 351 digs, which is stuff you'll see from somebody playing in the back row. Did that. She had 282 assists, which was, you know, just a notch below some of the full-time setters as well. And she was only a part-time setter doing – I mean, I thought she was the flyer. And St. Joseph made a run. They got to the regional final this year. I, she was clearly their best hitter. I thought she was the best hitter in the area. 
She was there. I thought she was uh, when Kornchek, their setter, was out. She was their best setter. I thought she was their best player in the back row. She was their best blocker. She was their best server. Just did everything for them. She's a Texas State commit and one of the very best players in the area. But I want to talk about the setters we have in this region. Because when we were doing, when I was doing the selection process, Mike, I kept telling you, like, man, there are so many good setters around here, and there really are. Setter of the year was. Landry Zappalock from from Schulenburg. Her her assist numbers were ungodly this season. I'll pull them up right here. Fourteen hundred ninety four assists this year. Now some of that has helped. They played fifty games, so yeah. some of that has helped by that. But still, just almost fifteen hundred assists. That is an absolutely unreal number. But then Macy Blakeney from Yoakum, who is you know the the quarterback of that attack, a team that got to the regional quarters this year. She she's a first team setter. She she's someone who other years maybe is setter of the year for us. Morgan Kornsek from Saint from Saint Joseph. She had over eight hundred assists and she was a setter of the year for the all area team last year and is someone that was really good. Addison Rodriguez from Calhoun was really really good. She, I think she, she was newcomer or something last year. She's on the second team because of the amount of good setters we have. And then uh, Madeline Samudio from Victoria East was probably their best player. She's on second team. But it was a year of really, really good setters here in the uh, here in the here in the crossroads. And it was, you know, a lot of a lot of really fun players to watch. And another one I want to highlight here because I had a couple of utility spots. Uh, the first team utility players, Riley Vancura and Bromley Watson. Vancura from Shiner. She is, so what I said for Addison and all she does for St. Joseph, Riley Vancura is like a version of that. Not, you know, Addison's the best player, so Riley's not quite as good as Addison, but arguably their best hitter, great player in the back row, arguably their best setter. She just did everything for that Shiner team and ended up finishing second in district. And then Bromley Watson for Cuero, who a little more of a true setter, but she's six feet tall and she could hit the ball as well. And she, if they needed her too, but she was so so good as a setter, so good setting up Arissa Carbonara, who was our offensive player of the year. They kept her out there and you just wonder, man, if Cuero had someone else who could set, because Watson was a really, really good hitter. And it's like, man, if you have two six foot plus hitters in this, this part of the state, that's really, really valuable. But Watson, an incredible setter as well. So we, a lot of really good volleyball in the, uh, in, a lot of really good volleyball in the area, and I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited we were able to get this out there. I'm excited for the all area football team that's yeah, going to come out this weekend. Yeah, I, I have a question though about volleyball. Yeah. So, how big of an impact do you think Ozuna, Addison, and Ozuna will have on the East next year? Oof. Okay. The yeah. uh, it turns the tide yeah. in this rivalry, and that it and West has. West has a lot coming back this year. West was a really young team. Their middle blocker, Emily Parker, I think is someone who's going to be one of the better players in the area next season. Um, they have, you know, Hannah Les was someone who was on, I think, the second team of our all-area team she, as a utility, and she's someone who does a little bit of everything and will be really good. They're, they're, uh, Natalie Christensen, the West setter, was a sophomore, so she'll be back. They're going to have a lot back, but Addison Ozuna is – the best player in this area. There really isn't. There, there's no one else like her, and she, she can do. She can truly do everything. And I, I think for East volleyball, from just talking to different people and different coaches, the problem in the past has been the group didn't just. They just didn't really play together. It just, it just, the dynamics just didn't work. 
year one with Shelby Spradley, that was not the case. The group liked each other. They mm. played well together. Maybe the top-end talent wasn't there, but it, it feels like the culture and locker room issues got fixed year one. Now you're getting the best player in the area yeah. stepping into your locker room, and Addison Ozuna is not – She's not cocky. She's not braggadocious. She's not someone who's going to come in and have to feel like she needs to assert her dominance on a team because she is such a really good player. She is such a really good player, so she's going to come in and take over that team just on her ability and not with her demeanor because she is a little more soft-spoken, very humble. So I think the dynamic in that team is going to work, and I think Addison Ozuna makes Victoria East really, really good next year. And that's one that if you're looking for when is East going to beat West, look, look, look to uh, look to the fall of 2024 because there is nobody like Addison Ozuna in this area. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, as you did mention, the all-area football team will be out this weekend. Uh, we're excited about that. Uh, took us a while, but uh, we were finally able to get one together. Um, and uh, a lot of good players in this area, and uh, we tried to honor as many as we could, um, and hopefully uh, that'll work out. A lot of good quarterbacks. In yeah, the area that year. that was the position that uh, really stood out. Um, you know, you can have a, maybe a special award winner, first and second mm-hmm. team, and that's it. And there are more than three good quarterbacks, I guarantee you that. And uh, it was a tough call, but uh, you got to make it. Yeah, there were a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good running backs in this area as well. When I saw one of the names on second team for running back, I'm like, Mike, really? And he's like, well, here are the guys on first team. And I'm like, well, I guess you're right. He is on second team. So that a lot of lot of really talented quarterbacks and running backs in this area. We're excited that that team is done. It's written in pen and we're putting it out there this weekend and we are really excited to be able to do that and get these teams out to you guys and recognize some of the 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 best athletes in this area. Yeah, and next week maybe uh at this time next week we'll know about realignment and uh yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to record after we Yeah, and we can talk a little bit about that. And uh, maybe we can, uh, I don't know if we can get someone to stick around with us, but maybe we can get some tape from some of the coaches. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm, I, Mike, I'm good at getting people. People talk to me, man. I'll, I'll get people to talk, whether they know it or not. The, but that will just about do it for Episode 72 of The Grid Realignment talk we are excited for that that will be coming next week episode 73 we'll have some results but everyone thank you so much for tuning in this week's episode of the grid we will see you back here next week